to Awakening Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is Grant. Joined with me is my beautiful wife, Erica, the Weaker Vessel. Hello, everyone. If you would like to find out more about Awakening Reformation, we are proud members of Rebel Alliance Media, which consists of two more podcasts, one called the Rebel Podcast. It airs on Wednesdays. And Fathers of the Faith for Covenant Kids which is a church history podcast that we record with our kids, and it's meant for families, for family devotional time, family worship, bedtime, commuting, whatever. So check those out. Subscribe to Rebel Alliance Media in iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher to get all three podcasts every week. Check out the website, rebelalliancemedia.com. We have articles that are coming out every week. Andrew Emery just wrote a several-part series on dispensationalism and where it came from. There's also teaching series on the website, so go check it out. Follow us on social media, and you can email us at awakeningreformation at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. I encourage you to go do all that. Go like everything and follow everything and download everything. That would be swell. That would be awesome. How are you doing tonight, hon? I'm good. You're good. We had a good Lord's Day, and now I've got yeah. a margarita, and we had <laughs> a good laugh here a few minutes before we started recording, so let's do this. All right. So as you all know, we are in the middle of a series on the Munis Triplex, which is the three offices that Jesus held. Is it Triplex? Uh, is it Triplex or Triplex? I don't know. I should know. Triplex? Triplex seems... I think it's Munis Triplex. We can go with that. Let's ask Google. All right, let's see what Google says. Okay, Google, what is the Munis Triplex? According to Wikipedia, the threefold office, Latin, Munis Triplex, of Jesus Christ is a Christian doctrine right. based upon the teachings of the Old Testament of which Christians hold different views. So you're... Triplex. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Google. All right. I stand corrected by the oracle. He's talking about Google, not me. Was I? (laughs) Um, And so last week we talked about how Jesus fulfilled the office of prophet and how the prophet brought the word of God to the people and how Jesus did that, but also was himself the word of God who came to us. This week, we're going to talk about how Jesus fulfills the office of priest. No matter where we are, I always have like a squeaky chair. I mean, we could adjust. Okay, that's all right. I'm just always squeaky. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, continue. So to begin talking about Jesus as priest, we can start at the beginning of the Bible, like we love doing, and look at the fall, and we see how man's sin separated him from God and ruined that relationship. And we even see immediately after the fall that God slaughtered animals and covered Adam and Eve. Right. Prior to Adam and Eve's disobedience, there was no need for a priest because there was perfect fellowship between God and man. Mm -hmm. There was no sin that had come in and severed it up into that point. But then after Adam and Eve sinned, there immediately had to be bloodshed to atone for the sins of Adam and Eve to cover their nakedness. So this right away shows us why we need 
a priest, why yeah. this sort of thing needs to happen. Our our sin is why this sort of thing needs to happen. Because mm-hmm. there's like a severing between God and humans that had to be breached. Yeah, exactly. The relationship is broken and now needs to be mended. So we see this figure called Melchizedek in Genesis, whom Abraham meets, has a meal with, and it's said that he is a priest of the Most High God, which is a term for Yahweh, Most High God. This is way before the priesthood of Aaron. Mm -hmm. So then what is a priest? A priest is someone who represents the people to God, offering Mm -hmm. sacrifices and atonement for sin on behalf of God's covenant people. So again, like we said, because of the broken relationship, it needed to be mended. The relationship needed to be mended. And God chose to work through priests to do that. He chose to work through a mediator. Mm -hmm. And the priest is the one who offered animal, sometimes grain, sacrifices to God on behalf of the people. And I mean, it all represented something too. We've done a podcast on I was going to say, you should go back and listen to our podcast when we talked more in depth about the sacrificial system system and things like that, of that nature. might be helpful, complimentary Mm -hmm. to go along with this podcast. But yeah, that's what a priest did. And the people couldn't just go to God and come into his presence all willy-nilly. I mean, there was a certain protocol that had to be followed, and it was followed painstakingly by the priests who -hmm. had to be born, um, you know, of a certain line. They had to follow certain procedures before they could even come into the temple in order to sacrifice in very specific, detailed manner. And it was dangerous for the priests to even do any of their work because if they did something wrong, Mm -hmm. if they were, I don't know, flippant or irreverent in their actions it could mean their life and what erica's talking about is the priesthood that god established with aaron Mm -hmm. moses brother so after the israelites were delivered from egypt and given the law god consecrates moses brother aaron and his sons and then establishes a priesthood through them so you had to be born of aaron's line and they were levites Mm-hmm. of the tribe of Levi, and that was the priesthood. And it was Nadab and Abihu who offered the strange fire, and they thought they could worship, worship God, God yeah, in whatever way they wanted to. Right, in a way that was not prescribed, and um, God killed them. Yeah. So, so God obviously takes worship practices seriously, and the priesthood followed very specific guidelines. Mm-hmm. But the priest's role was the religious, the very specific religious practices of the people. Mm-hmm. Now, we'd say that all of our life is worship, and all of our life is lived in a way that's either worshiping God or not. But there are those certain things that are associated with the specific corporate worship of the people. Well, in personal, too. I mean, if you had a sin offering, then mm. you took it to the priest, and the priest offered your sin offering up to God. So... It was collective and it was individual. There's Mm -hmm. all kinds of ceremonial washings and things for women who had just given birth or men who would touch something dead. I mean, it was very detailed in how a priest Mm. ought to act. It wasn't 
I guess, ex- always worship. Sometimes it was just for like ritual cleansings or... Holiness. Yeah, just yeah. to be set apart. God's people were to be set apart. And so this is how the priest functioned in that he represented God's covenant people to God, whatever that was, whether it was in worship, whether it was, like I said, in repentance, in cleansing, whatever it was, mm-hmm. it was the priest who interceded between God and humankind and very, very carefully, skillfully, yeah. with much fear and trepidation, I would imagine. Yeah. It all points to the holiness that God requires of us and the whole system itself shows how sinful we are and then the death required to make us holy, mm-hmm. the death required to restore our relationship to God. Mm-hmm. It was all an object lesson, the sacrificial system at least. So the priests and what they did was part of this object lesson mm-hmm. teaching the Israelites, teaching God's covenant people, you know, what God required of them. Mm-hmm. It was all pointing forward to our great high priest. Yeah, to Jesus. Jesus. Yep. So that was kind of what a priest was and did. He worked in the temple. Very briefly, but yes. yes. Very briefly. There's a whole lot more we could dig into with that. Once again, go back and listen to the old podcast episode if that's intriguing to you and how the sacrificial system and the priesthood specifically really does point to Jesus and it's minutia. Yeah. It would be very helpful. Mm Mm-hmm. So this priesthood, this Aaronic priesthood, no longer is existent today. Mm -hmm. People are not still gathering in temples, offering sacrifices for their sin. I mean, we're in Brooklyn right now. There's like tons and tons and tons of Jewish people. And we just just, uh, saw all of them at the bay and they were celebrating the Day of Atonement. We were talking about how interesting it was and how sad it was that these people are still offering prayers and like what they're asking for has already come. Right. That atonement that they're praying for has already come in in Christ and they missed it. Yeah. So they're not still going to the temple on the Day of Atonement. It's because in the year 8070, the temple was destroyed Mm -hmm. and sacrifices were no longer able to be made yeah the temple was gone so where are you going to make that sacrifice and this is where a lot of people might say things like the sacrificial system is all done away with Mm -hmm. and people commonly say that sort of thing in order to say that's why we don't sacrifice animals it's all done away yeah and if you read hebrews and study hebrews you realize that it's not Mm -hmm. the sacrificial system in a sense is Still happening today. Yep. It was just fulfilled. And Jesus offered the once and for all sacrifice on the altar in heaven. And Hebrews goes into great depth to explain what Jesus did as a priest. And we'll continually point to Hebrews talking about Jesus as a priest. Mm -hmm. But every year they had to come back to the Day of Atonement and offer again that sacrifice for sins. Yeah. And this is where the doctrine of substitutionary atonement comes in, is that one sacrifice represented all the people, and it was slaughtered on behalf of the people to avert God's wrath. And now Jesus was that sacrifice, but because he was perfect, spotless and blameless and no sin, but also that he is deity, which is why it's important that 
Jesus was God, that he's eternal, uh, because he was perfect and because he was eternal, he could make sacrifice for men because he was a man and represent all sinful man for eternity. Mm-hmm. We don't have to go back another year because it was perfect. Right. The reason why the priests had to go back every year and offer another sacrifice was because it was a bull. Yeah. That wasn't a perfect equivalent, you know, and as much as we wanted to... It expired. To, yeah, it expired. Mm-hmm. And as much as we wanted to pick out the, you know, the lamb or the bull that had no blemish and all that, it was still not a perfect right. sacrifice. It was the best of the herd, mm-hmm. but wasn't perfect like Jesus is perfect. Mm-hmm. And so the sacrificial system was fulfilled in that sense and goes on from now until eternity. We're all covered by that blood, mm-hmm. whether we were born in AD 50, AD 500 or, or in 2018. Yeah, so, I think I think that's an important distinction to make, though, that we are still required to have a blood sacrifice in payment for our rebellion against God. Right. That that has never gone away. That was how it was from the very first sin of Adam and Eve having to have their nakedness covered by the skins of an animal. Blood yep. had to be shed. Mm-hmm. And it's still the case for us now. So... That's kind of something that I think a lot of Christians miss, like you said, and that's probably more of a dispensational way of thinking, too, that all the law has passed away. That was imperfect, that God has a better plan in Jesus. Right. And God has had the same plan from the very beginning. God's plan has never changed. It was always Jesus. Mm -hmm. So I think that's an important distinction to make. And then, interestingly, like with the temple being destroyed in AD 70, how that made it impossible for the Jews to continue to offer that right. sacrifice, which we actually see a lot of Jesus talking about in Matthew 24. So just interesting. That's why they don't offer sacrifices anymore. Yeah. If they could, they would. Yeah, it's true. They want to rebuild their temple. Yeah, that's they do. That's a lot of the problem in the Middle East is that they're fighting to be able to rebuild yeah. their temple. But the fact that Jesus' sacrifice was perfect is why I think Hebrews talks about his priesthood being better than Aaron's too. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of Hebrews is showing how Jesus is greater than and greater than, greater than Mm -hmm. uh, Abraham, greater than Moses. He's the substance to the shadows. Right. Mm -hmm. So Aaron's priesthood, exactly, was a shadow. And then Jesus' priesthood after the order of Melchizedek, which we'll talk about in a little bit, was the substance, is the substance, and is a better eternal redemption. So. So, sacrificial system is not done away. It's just been fulfilled with a perfect one. Finally. Yeah. A final perfect sacrifice that... Doesn't expire. Exactly. Yep. Well said, babe. So, we talked a little bit about Jesus being the sacrifice, but how do we see Jesus actually being that high priest, though, and fulfilling that office of priest? Well, Jesus is the, like you said, the high priest who offers the sacrifice on the people's behalf to God the Father, but he is also the one who is being sacrificed, the lamb um, that is being sacrificed without the lamb without blemish. So I think that's what makes him the great high priest. He's a high priest that doesn't die. You know, he lives to make intercession for us forever. So Jesus is a priest after the order of Melchizedek, not Aaron. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is part of the point of this is because he is eternal. Jesus had no beginning and no end. And that's why he is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. 
Yeah, and not Aaron. Right. Yep. So Ephesians 5.2 talks about how Christ gave himself for us. And even though he himself was a sacrifice, we see him conducting the priestly duties by offering a sacrifice. And it just says, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And then Hebrews ten twelve says, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. Again, pointing to the fact of his sure and eternal mm-hmm. priesthood, he offered the sacrifice and then sat down. Work was over. Work was done. Well, and now he lives to make intercession for us. Yep. That's a perfect segue into another very popular chapter that shows Jesus in his priestly office, and that's John 17. And we won't go into every verse of John 17. It's an incredible prayer between God the Son and God the Father. And that chapter is commonly called Jesus' High Priestly Prayer. Mm -hmm. He prays for his disciples and prays for their unity and for their resiliency. He prays for all those who would believe in their message. So that's you and me. Almost like it's predestined. (laughs) Predetermined. Well, that's briefly why the hypostatic union is so crucial as well. Mm -hmm. That he he did have to be fully man, fully God. Right. And you see both of those uh, natures being crucial to him being high priest. Yeah. The Aaronic priesthood was for the Jewish Israelite covenant people of God. Yep. And you could become a proselyte, be circumcised, and... A lot of their servants were and captives and things like that. Who were not ethnically Jew. Yeah. But in what way is Jesus' priesthood better than that now? Well, Jesus was circumcised on the eighth day. True. So that's, you know, just throwing that out there. (laughs) But he also, being circumcised circumcises the hearts of his people, Mm -hmm. those in his family. He is concerned about not just the outward identification of a people group, but also the circumcision and the cutting away of the the flesh in our hearts. Right. And that's, you know, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. There's something that Jesus came to accomplish, and that is to take those hearts of stone and turn them to soft hearts that respond to God. Yeah, and belief in Jesus is your entrance into that covenant relationship. Mm -hmm. Whereas before, there were outward rituals that got you into that covenant relationship. Now, a spiritual new birth and belief in Jesus, regardless of ethnicity and regardless of what people group you are a part of, um, brought you those benefits, mm-hmm. brought you the benefits of his priesthood, of his And that's where we sacrifice. would say that Israel was expanded, like true right. Israel was expanded, yeah. that the Gentiles were grafted into God's covenant people. Right. It was no longer just one nation of people. It was multiple nations of well, people. Well, it was all the nations. And that's what Jesus commanded yeah, his disciples to do, to go right. make disciples of all nations. So we kind of talked about this as well, that the the priest was one who had to wash himself prior to offering sacrifices. Mm-hmm. 
So there were ritual washings and cleansings, and you had to, like, dip your robe. You had to wash your hands. Some of it included blood. Some of it was just water. Right. And it was all very particular. So how is the washing of the Aaronic priesthood different from the washing of Christ? Well, their washing was outward only. Mm -hmm. And though Jesus was purified by his baptism in order to conduct his ministry as a priest, his baptism by John the Baptist was for the priesthood. Mm -hmm. But now under Jesus' priesthood, we are washed internally. Mm Mm-hmm you know, by by his blood right. and purified of our sins from the inside. And that's, that's exactly what we mean when we talk about the new birth mm-hmm. and getting a new heart wrought by the spirit. Yeah. Is that it's a spiritual substance now. It's not just an outward ritual looking forward. You know, it's not a shadow anymore. Now the substance has arrived. Yep. And then another thing that I just want to briefly mention is that intercession. We say that the priest did intercede Mm -hmm. on behalf of God's covenant people. And whereas the prophet spoke mostly from God to God's people. Mm -hmm. So the priest was different in that the priest spoke from God's people to God. He interceded the opposite way as the prophet. Right. So in that sense... Jesus, like you said earlier, does live to make intercession on his people's behalf. Right. He is constantly interceding for us at the right hand of the Father, and he's foiling the accusations made by Mm -hmm. the devil against the saints, um, is what we're told in Scripture. Well, and the priest, the priesthood, I mean, the priest only lived... For so many years, and then they died, you mm-hmm. know? And then even while they were still alive, they offered sacrifices momentarily, and the people would leave, and then they were almost instantly condemned again because they, right. they couldn't keep themselves from sinning. Right. Whereas the intercession that Christ offers, like you said, he prayed for his people, that mm-hmm. they would be um, kept. He prayed that his people wouldn't fall away. Mm-hmm. Um, they would be led astray by Satan and his wiles. Right. And and if anyone's prayers are answered, they're Jesus' yeah. prayers. Yeah, they're effective. They mm. have a way of changing the hearts of of the people, obviously, because yeah. Jesus' prayers keep us. You know, John 10 talks about, yeah. about that. So though the priest did offer intercession, it was momentary, and then the priest died. And the priest would offer sacrifice for sins and then like we said again they would they would continue to sin it didn't have the power to actually change them whereas yeah. now Jesus sacrifice and his blood actually purifies us on the inside and changes us so that we don't sin yeah i was going to say i guess a good way of saying that is that the intercession of the priests affected changes not to the hearts of the people necessarily uh-huh. but to the consequences of their sin right yeah because god's wrath was still averted for a for a time for a period yeah but it, it didn't stop the people from sinning yeah whereas jesus's intercession for us yes it takes away god's wrath that's put upon mm-hmm. us when we are in rebellion against god but it also has a way of changing our hearts so that we so that his law is written we on don't our hearts desire now. to sin. Yeah, he's right, yeah. he's taken out that that hard heart. Mm-hmm. 
So it's better in that sense, too. It's effectual. Yeah. So this has a lot of ramifications for our daily walk because Jesus being our priest in this way is our access to the Father. Mm -hmm. You know, when we go back to the beginning of the Bible where we started this podcast was that the relationship with God was shattered and we have that back through our priest, Jesus. Mm -hmm. Now we have access. Now when we pray, why we pray in Jesus' name, because he's the one interceding yep. to the Father. But Because he's our high priest. Exactly. And when Jesus instructed his disciples to pray like that, I mean, we pray in Jesus' name because he is the one who allows for our prayers to even be heard by the Father. Exactly. It's not because God the Father owes us a, a hearing. It's because yeah. of Jesus. Right. And Hebrews four fifteen and 16 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, mm -hmm. but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin, so he can sympathize. Mm -hmm. He's been there. And that's another... Not in sin, but being tempted. tempted, yeah. He understands and can sympathize with every situation we're mm -hmm. faced with, which is also why it's important, like Erica said, that the hypostatic union happened, that God became flesh. Mm -hmm. So he could sympathize with us and be a sympathetic high priest. Right. Not an ivory tower high priest who not doesn't understand what you're going through. Mm -hmm. And so because of this, it says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, the reason why this was such a powerful verse for the Hebrews that the writer of the Hebrews is speaking to this, this mention of the throne of grace would have brought to their minds the idea of the temple because the mercy seat where the blood was put in the Holy of Holies mm -hmm. is what he's talking about here. And like Erica said, the priests would go to that area of the temple trembling. And if they screwed something up, they could die. And they would tie a rope around their ankle with like some bells on it when they did their stuff in there. Because if the bells stopped clinking or jingling, then... Bad news bears. Something happened and dude dropped down dead. And then they had the rope to pull him out because they didn't want to go in there and die also. Mm -hmm. And so can you imagine the writer telling you this? Draw near to the throne of grace and, yeah. and find mercy. And you're like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't want to die. <laughs> but we can do that because someone else died. And that's what's interesting yeah. is that Jesus didn't do something wrong. You know, he didn't go into the Holy of Holies and screw it up. Hence, he died. No, he he followed the law perfectly and yet died on our behalf. When how you do think we know that? He rose from the dead. Yeah. That was his vindication. Your work is done and it was done well son you know mm -hmm. from the father and raised him from the grave so that's your daily walk though that gets affected by this teaching of jesus as a priest who also offered himself as the sacrifice to mend the relationship between you and the father to now give you access mm -hmm. to that special place that that place where god's presence dwells which is you yeah. know the holy of holies in the temple is where the presence of god dwelt like, I encourage everyone to just sit and think about that and just keep thinking and meditate upon this. And I know it has encouraged me and edified me 
throughout the years to really think about this. And so day to day too, when you sin, understand that you can come to the throne of grace, find mercy, and then grace to help in time of need. And that's always there. An error that we can fall into when we think about the doctrine of atonement and Jesus priesthood is to think, well, don't worry about your sin. Jesus is just, he's always interceding and his sacrifice is eternal and just ask forgiveness and you're good. And I think it can lead to flippancy sometimes or the easy believism type. Well, I don't think you understand if you take that lightly, then I don't think you understand the priesthood at all. Exactly. I think you would do well to go back and study what the priest did and what their functionality was and delve a little bit into Leviticus and mm-hmm. you know Deuteronomy and things like that. I think you need to understand what exactly it is that Christ has accomplished for you. Mm-hmm. Because it should take away all flippancy. It should take away all irreverence. It should take away all of our pride and arrogance to think that we can just turn around and sin. Like Paul said... It's not so that grace would abound that we should sin. Right. That's dumb. Yeah. You're not understanding it then. God forbid. Mm-hmm. So I think if you do lean that way towards... Um, oh, cool. God, she's covered it. Yeah. Then I, I just don't think you understand the gospel. And you should be scared a little bit. Yeah. Because it shows uh, hardness in your heart. Yeah. You need to do a little that. study, perhaps, or have God's word transform your mind a little bit. Yeah. And... Though Christ is our high priest, we are also given the title of priest. Yes. And we, is it Martin Luther who coined the term priesthood of believers? Yes. Being in Christ, we are a holy priesthood, as Peter says. He says, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's 1 Peter 2.5. So first of all, spiritual sacrifices. Don't actually kill yourself right. as a sacrifice to God. But what he means is you're offering up your life to God, just like Jesus did. He offered up his life to God. And Romans 12.2 talks about this, that, that we are <laughs> living sacrifices and offering up our lives as a sacrifice to mm-hmm. God is our reasonable worship. Yeah. That, that's what makes sense as someone who belongs to Jesus is that we offer our lives up. But what this means too is that we have access straight to God. And I think it was Martin Luther that really took this doctrine seriously um, mm-hmm. in his day and realized that we don't need the priest at the church right. to have access to God, that the priesthood of all believers was such that we had access to God through Jesus. There's one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ, the God man, Jesus Christ. We have access to that throne. So we hope this was encouraging and beneficial. I know I love talking about the priesthood. So we hope that you loved it as well. Do you have anything you'd like to add? Are you good? Nope, I'm good. All right. Don't forget to check out Rebel Podcast and Fathers of the Faith. Subscribe to the feed so you get all new episodes every week. Share us with a friend, you guys. If there is someone that you know who's like growing in their faith or should be growing in their faith, (laughs) or you just, you know, want to be a pal, just, you know, drop a link, text it to them, share it, share us, share the rebels. If you know someone who's got young kids, share fathers of the faith. Yeah. I mean, help us out, y'all. 
Yeah. Comment on the post if something about the episode striked you. Striked you? It wouldn't be your grammar. Striked your... Struck you? Struck you. (laughs) (laughs) Comment. Comment. No, we're leaving that. Leave a no. Leave a comment. (laughs) I listen to my daughter talk too much. Our five-year-old has interesting grammar, and it's not because we don't try and correct her, but honestly, I think she's rubbing off on us more than we're rubbing off on her, and it's slightly terrifying. It is. That's powerful. (laughs) So, comment in the feed. We appreciate it. Thank you. We always pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened by the power of the Spirit, and until next time, get woke. Yeah. Let's start with the microphone check. One, two, first. Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church. The kind of things that few search. They say that the truth hurts. Well, this pain is gained, so let's explain the new birth. First things first, can't neglect this at the start. I must preface my remarks with the deadness of the heart from original sin. The effects of the fall. The sin of our first parents brought death to us all. Since Adam was our federal head, what he did counted for us. In him were all rebels and dead. Yo, captured in the mind, disaster, sin and crimes in a Dark state, Alaska in the winter time, sour in our frames. Left to ourselves, we be devoured in the flames. Cause we're powerless to change. If you feel that way, I pray that you respond happily. As you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3. That verse one is my thesis It's the deepest truth that should get you speechless What scripture teaches will fill in the missing pieces Picture Jesus meeting up with Nicodemus Perhaps it was fright about the other Pharisees Wicked spite against Christ that turned this into naked night He called the rabbi and gave him props Said he was a teacher from God Jesus replied, made him stop Regarding the kingdom of God, no one's going in In fact, you can't even see it unless you're born again That must have consumed and stretched his mind Cause he said, can a man enter his mother's womb a Naturalistically, the only way for him to hear it Jesus said you must be born of the water and the spirit No other way to enter heaven That sounds like Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27 In this new birth, the spirit is the source and the agent The water symbolizes spiritual purification Flesh can only produce flesh, that's true and factual Regenerating work of the spirit is supernatural It's kinda like the wind, which is free East to west can't receive the steps You can only see its effects In the same way the Holy Spirit chooses who he pleases to sovereignly open their eyes to the truth of Jesus. For the spirit's mysterious operation uh-huh. We will all be under serious condemnation I'd still be rejecting the sun If God hadn't said let there be light Like Genesis 1 yeah. And just like the light could not refuse to shine Irresistible grace has renewed my mind Let's exalt the king who died and truly is risen Jesus. The new birth is not the effect of human decision But the cause 
It changes our natural habitation and situation. It's a radical transformation. I was cursed and polluted, so my dirt was inexcusable. With new internal pupils, his person is beautiful. His worth is indisputable. The land is amazing. A standing ovation for his work in the crucible. So let us respond with true worship and love to the God who was given new birth from above. Thank <laughs> you.